for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. Today is episode 135, and Justin and I are back together, just him and I, and we're going to give you guys a little update on what's going on with him and I. I mean, the last 10 days since we put out, I guess it wouldn't be last week's podcast with Cody. It'd be the week before that. Um, it It's changed a lot, yeah, you know what I mean, for you and I. And it's definitely something, for me anyway, here in Michigan, something I have not really witnessed too often year in and year out at, for this time of year, what's going on. So I, I figured we need to get that out there. You've had a, uh, I mean, roller coaster of the last two or three days, and we want to talk about that. And, uh, yeah, just, just air it all out and, and bullshit for a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, it's kind of hard to follow up last week's with Cody that one performed amazing and thanks to everybody who's downloaded and listened to that but um not to say this is going to be any less informative but we both have some schedule things coming up and uh, we're going to be on the road a little bit so we're just taking the time to kind of just air some things out like you said yeah for sure and just so everybody knows we're recording this on the 28th of October so this will go live you know, in six days. So when you're referencing this, a lot of the stuff is probably going to be about the same, like, right. I'm, I'm going to guess, I mean, who knows, but the thing is with, with what's going on the last 10 days up until now, it's, it's pretty crazy how the deer yeah. have been moving and the sightings that I know I've been having and what you've been going through. And I'll just flat out tell you, I missed one of my big shooters and nobody knows about it yet because I wanted to talk about it on the podcast with you. So <laughs> yeah. there, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> so let's get that out there. Well, and uh, and yeah, I, I just want to get into I've this. Got a, I've got a cat to let out too. So let's hear <laughs> yours first. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I guess to first bring this up and, and where we're at with it is, um, you know, this is the first time I've actually been able to hunt a lot. I mean, I've hunted a lot in Michigan in the last, this is the, is, is the most I've hunted and I'm talking in circles right now. I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say. I've hunted a lot here in October and this is the first time in nine years that I've, you know, got to do that. And the reason being is because we went down to Ohio early, Casey and I, and, you know, saw some good deer, but really couldn't get it done. Um, just because of the weather and it was just kind of one of those feeler trips, like just seeing where the deer are at, seeing what we got. Cause we knew the big trip was going to come up. Well, our trip has been pushed back like two times because of commercial shoots and, and, you know, other production stuff. And so that's why, but tomorrow, Thursday, the 29th, Casey and I are leaving for Ohio. So I want to preference that. I want to preface that I cannot talk today. <laughs> um, so when you guys are listening to this, Casey and I will be in Ohio and you will be in Kodiak, right? Correct. So you'll be on your own yep, trip and, and, and we'll be on ours. Yep. Yeah. It's one of those things, man, which that's the business we're in. I've unfortunately got to leave Iowa in the best 10 days of the year, but that's the way <laughs> the cookie crumbles. Yep. That's, that's the way it is. But, uh, to, I guess to kick off me, I, I log a lot of my sits, like all my sits, you know, the hours I'm in the stand, how many sits, like I log all that stuff. And as of this morning, I sat this morning would be the last time I sit um, until we get back from Ohio, whenever that is, but I've sat 50 hours in a tree stand this year for hunting, not filming. Um, it'd be wow. more with filming, but that's the first time in a long time that I've been able to do that in Michigan. So, and, and it shows like I'm looking at all my notes right now and how many shooters I've seen and how many opportunities I've had. It's pretty cool. Um, it's just yeah, crazy. It's, that's a lot of seat time for, for guys like us, especially this time of the year and for having such a banner deer hunting year i mean it's we've already talked about it it's this this october is one for the record books and just good to hear that you're getting some seat time I'm, i've actually got a bunch of seat time but it is crazy and we can only hunt when we have time and we gotta travel chase the paycheck yep exactly <laughs> so i guess to to go back about well it'd be nine days ago it would have been the 19th of october i missed my i would call him probably my number two shooter uh his name's tynes ward um he's real tall nine point real narrow um and i kind of want to get into this with you a little bit too because there's you know we've covered it on some podcasts about how you know the pope and young club and everything like that have talked about cell cams and you know, if you if you get a deer on cell cam, they're not going to, you know, enter it in the record book, which is, you know, six half, one dozen, the other with me. I don't care. I don't, I don't right. put my, put my books in the, or my bucks in the book. So I, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, but I, I know, know yeah, yeah. It, it, they just, uh, I had to go back and it was this summer that they passed that. Like if you get a deer on cell cam Jeez. and you want to put it in the record books, they will not take it. Um, huh. that's but, interesting. But I guess I want to, what I want to say, you know, in conjunction with that is like, I love cell cams. Um, I, I do think there is a fine line of, you know, there is the guys out there that will monitor the cell cams and then 
you know, know that he's in there and then run around with a, with a gun, you know, during gun season and he's in the field. Like I'd never do that. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'll tell you what I'm doing with cell cams on the one acre farm. I have a one acre patch of timber and then I have a four acre patch of timber. So that's really small. And I put cell cams on scrapes in there. Honestly, yes, to monitor the deer, but also if I'm walking in the stand, I get a picture within 40 seconds to a minute of knowing that deer's in there. I hate blowing deer. So literally this scenario that I'm going to play out for you, a cell cam does come into to play here. Um, and I'm glad it did because I didn't blow the deer out. And that's I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at. Um, I know you run cell cams as well, so I get. I guess let's get it out there. Like, what what's your thoughts with cell cams? You know, beforehand here. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, I'm definitely not chasing cameras. You know, I'm not using that information to determine. You know the the exact second I need to be there. Like, I'm not running cameras into bedding, knowing I need to be on the food catching that deer coming out. I mean it's a hell of a resource to do that. And if you do, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. It's just, um, you know, having this new property here, this 40 acres we bought, it's, we didn't close on it. Like I said, a couple weeks ago, we closed like, uh, October. I don't know what it was the 14th, I think. And I had no other, no other way to do any homework on this place. I didn't have any food plots. I had no stands hung, no, no prep, no homework done, nothing. So, for me, it's just a, it's kind of an inventory thing, and uh, I do wake up in the middle of the night wondering if cameras have gone off when I look at my phone. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's I, I am using it to the degree of knowing when the does are on my farm. Like I've got one in a, be- a cut bean field, I've got one on a couple scrapes, and it's like like yesterday, yesterday morning. We had probably the best day of the year so far for barometric pressure. It was like 30.4. Every camera was firing. I had a bunch of does on my property, and I went and sat last night, and I saw seven deer, two different bucks. Like, I knew the deer were on my farm, so I just hunted the stand that the wind allowed me to, and, you know, I had a good hunt. I didn't see any shooters, and to be honest, I haven't had any shooters on camera in about three weeks. I don't know why, but um, that's just... I'm not chasing a specific deer based on those cell cam pictures. I'm I'm using the cameras to determine when the deer are on my property and when I can hunt my own farm. Other than that, I'm doing hanging bangs on public land. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. Like I said, I like to figure out if there's deer in. Now, I am only covering a certain area, but in the one acre, I've got them so pinched down that I know if they're in there, they're going to be right in front of the camera um, right. with with all the hinge cutting and everything. It covers a lot of that, you know, where that pinch is yeah. and where they hang out. So I've actually had instances within the last 10 days where I'll be walking into the stand and I get a picture and of a doe or something and I don't want to blow her out. I'll wait, you know, 10, 15 minutes and then I'll sneak into the stand. Now, I just don't want to blow deer out. And then the other yeah. thing is also, and this is, I took this from Justin Hollinsworth when we had him on about, you know, he was talking about the, the, um, full moon and how he learned, you know, the days prior and the days, you know, before and after the full moon 
and how the how the buck activity was you know the daylight buck activity was in the morning to the to the evening and he said it was all because of cell cams he likes getting yeah. that picture on his cell phone looking at it and then like quickly referencing like what the weather is you know the time the barometric pressure all that stuff and i'll tell you i can, i got to agree with him because i do the same thing and it helps it helps so much figuring out why deer are moving what deer are doing and I, I don't know. I, I just really like cell cams for that, for that yeah, purpose, I, couldn't I guess. Agree more. It's, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's fun to kind of corroborate the pictures you get with the other factors. You know, like you see on deer cast, it's like the wind is out of the east or the northwest or whatever those conditions are. Throw in very much pressure and then see what your deer were doing on camera and kind of just put the pieces together for the puzzle you're building for yourself and for you, I think it's cool because you are hunting such a small area. Like <clears throat> you want to maximize your opportunity probably more than most because you're not, you're not hunting deer that are coming from, you know, bedding to, to food that's 600 yards away. Like, I mean, maybe you are, but for the, for the one place you can hunt in that one acre, you've got to know if I go in there, am I going to blow them out? Or if I don't go in there, you know, are they going to be safe? Or if I go in there, are there even any deer in there right now? Like a lot of information that I think you're getting that most people wouldn't be looking for. Yeah, for sure. And to, to kind of preface the, the one acre a little bit more, I have multiple stands on this farm. Like there is wooded fence rows. So when I talk about the one acre farm, it is, you know, it's, I'm talking, I have some stands on fence rows that I hunt as well. So I just bebop from back and forth and, you know, it's literally yeah. just trying to catch a deer, you know, traveling by. Now I want to go back here. So I'm going to go back to October. It would be October 14th and 15th. So we had a huge cold front come in then. Um, I think the weather high was like right around 61 on the 14th. And then on the 15th, the next day, it was supposed to be 44 as a high. So that was a huge cold front. So that first day of the cold front and a lot, Mark Drury loves the first day of cold fronts. I'm just going to throw that out there as well but um the first day of the cold front i saw three shooters that night um they were at a distance but i saw three really good bucks and they were starting to nudge does not running hard but nudging um so the next day was supposed to even drop farther so it was supposed to be a high of 44 that next morning was supposed to be 29 degrees so it was going to drop even farther so I went in and just saw, I think I ended up seeing like eight does or something like that. And then, uh, the next day, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. The next evening, I'm looking at my notes here that I'm sorry, that evening. So the 29, um, this October 16th morning was 29 degrees that night. It went up to 40. So it was a high of 40 and I saw one shooter and a couple smaller bucks and the shooter didn't come close i was on a field edge and uh so then i'm like okay so trying to figure out what these deer are doing they're roaming they're starting to roam and i i honestly thought it was just a matter of time before one of these things is going to mess up and uh we definitely get an opportunity so the 16th i hunted i didn't hunt the 17th or 18th i scouted on the 19th okay so it was a morning i did a morning gas and glass and it was 32 degrees and I saw 
a tall eight that I call Tynes Ward chasing a doe. Um, he was chasing the doe, chasing her pretty hard and wouldn't let her get away, you know, and there was a lot of little bucks trying to get in there too. I say a lot, probably, I think it was two extra other little bucks that were trying to get in there and he would just not. So I'm like, okay, I need to go get in a stand. So I, I, I went to a, um, a fence row stand and I'm thinking, okay, actually, no, I go back. I got to go back. Sorry. My plan was to get in the one acre <laughs> and my thought was this doe was going to bring him through this one acre at some point today. I just knew he would because from past, you know, historic data the last four years, like it's just getting to be that point. Like the does, they like to go in there and hide. I'm walking into the one acre at, uh, my plan was to get out there around three 30. I wanted to be sitting around, uh, right around four. So I'm in the garage getting my stuff ready and putting stuff in my truck and my cell cam goes off and the doe and, and Tynes Ward are in the one acre at that time. Like I haven't even left the house getting ready to leave. And I'm like, well, crap, you know? So I'm like, well, I'm going to try to still get in there if I can. So a series of six pictures came through and the last picture was him and her leaving to go south. So I'm like, okay, they're going to leave. They're going to come back tonight. Kind of like a little bump and dump in a way. Um, so I get to the farm, I start walking in and I get 40 yards from the stand and here comes this doe right at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm standing still in the, like on the edge of a field and I'm like, that's his doe for sure. And she stops right in her tracks and sees me. And I'm like, okay, what do we, what do we do here? Mexican standoff, you know, like, <laughs> and finally she just kind of like flicks her tail, turns around and does like three bounds into the one acre. So I'm like, well, I can't go in there now. So I go back to the truck. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the south and to my other stand on the field edge. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll be able to see them and maybe they'll, they'll take the field edge down and I'll be able to get an opportunity at them. Looped around, parked in a different spot, went into that stand. Long story short, deer were moving <laughs> and I'm watching these deer to my right. And all of a sudden to my left, I hear a twig break and I look back and she is coming out of the timber. And she was the only doe that night that I saw by herself. And I'm like, that's got to be his doe. Got to be. Took him eight minutes. Finally, he stepped out behind her. And I'm like, here we go. So the heart is pumping. Like, I I mean, uncontrollably. Like, you'd be thinking I was shooting the Hambino again. I'm like, this is going to happen. So I had the camera ready. It's all on film, self-filmed. He comes out. I pull back, range him. It was kind of a poke. It was 46 yards. I feel really comfortable at 46 yards. Felt like it was going to be money shot. He stops, and then I just go to mush. Like, I black out. Okay, so he stops. He's in the middle of a bean field, our bean field. And then he takes, like, three more steps, and I felt like I needed to stop him again. So I bleated at him, like, with my mouth. And he stops and sticks his head up. And I put the pen right on him, touch it off. And right when I touched it off, I felt the biggest vibration go through my bow and I'm like, what the hell? And I just see the arrow sail over his back and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? What ended up happening is my bottom limb hit a tree limb that I didn't notice that like, you know, you get into the heat of the moment like that and it just shit. You forget about things. Like I just black your out. Your limb or your cam? Your limb hit it or the cam hit it? It was like where my limb, like where the, um, it's where my limb kind of comes into my cam, if that makes sense. Like yeah. kind of. No, I know I, what you mean. I, yeah, I th I think it hit a little bit of the cam probably as well, 
but the mark and everything, there's a scuff mark and everything right on the limb. So I'm like, son of a bitch, this sucks. You know, I, I did all this <laughs> move, maneuvering around and everything, and I get in the stand and get the opportunity, and, and I missed him. Flat out missed him. Well, and, uh, it, yeah, it just took the wind right out of the sails. Um, yeah, I, I can only imagine that feeling, especially knowing it's your target buck and you were – you had the perfect scenario. You had the old winky first hot doe situation yes. going on. And if anybody has seen those episodes or heard Bill talk about that first hot doe scenario, it's nine times out of 10, the most mature bucks you're hunting are going to find that hot doe first. Like they're not going to let those little bucks, you know, they're going to be running scrapes. They're looking for, you know, cruising those bedding areas downwind. And it's, it's no, it's no surprise that that's the deer you saw on that doe i know um but you just you did you did everything right and technicality man it's that exact thing happened to me years ago um when i released my bottom cam rolled up obviously and hit the shooting rail on a ladder stand i was in made all kinds of noise dented the rail messed up my string like horrible yeah it's a terrible feeling (laughs) Yeah. It is, but I mean, it's <clears throat> on the plus side, it's a clean miss. He was chasing that doe. He probably wasn't really concerned with what it was or what happened. Didn't see you, didn't wind you. Like, there's going to be more does coming, obviously, into estrus here in the next 10 days, two weeks. But yep. it's just that you had that prime opportunity before you got her hit the road. And it's just I know it. one of those things. And it's. And I don't know if it's something that you like put on yourself as well, because you and I know when we're going to go on the road. So it's like we put extra pressure on ourselves like I do anyway. It's like, I got to get this done. Got to get it done. Got to get it done. Like then it'll be so. And I won't lie to you. I rushed the shit out of it. I feel like too. I mean, I was self-filming. I'm not trying to throw that, you know, as a, a wrench in the spokes, but I mean, it's you know, I was ready. Like I had it perfectly in focus on him, had good pre-roll of him. Um, recording he had no idea I was there. I think where I made a mistake also is I stopped him 46 yards. That's a poke. Yeah. A lot of people don't take vacations that far. Like that's a long <laughs> shot. And yeah, when I stopped him, he was alert. And I, when I went back and looked at the footage, even though, you know, my bow hit a limb, uh, he, he, you can tell he jumped my string. Um, you know, yeah. so going back, like I'm, I was telling you off record, you know, I just on a phone call. I'm like, God, I got to stop stopping deer. This is not the only time it's ever happened to me. It's like, I'm just not learning my lesson. Um, but like yeah, you said, he, he didn't, he didn't freak out like crazy. He didn't run out of the country, he ran about 10 yards and then just kind of milled off with a couple does. Yeah. That's, I mean, best case scenario, given what happened, he's not yeah. injured. He's not educated. And he was focused on the doe. Definitely. Um, well, yeah. I could, I could tell you my story. I mean, you already know it, but uh, same situation, same amount of pressure. Like, I'm leaving on November first, and I'm going to be gone for twelve days, and I've just had this building, this building pressure to kill a deer before I leave. Like, I've been hunting every day, morning and night, and. I've been hunting my home farm. I've been covering public land. I've been rattling. I've been putting all kinds of 
you know, sense on the scrapes and really trying to just find a deer to hunt. And I was texting you on the morning of the 25th. It was 10 degrees here. Pressure was 30.4 that morning. And I, I still had yet to see more than a yearling buck. And I was like, I started to get mad about it. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I know I'm in a good spot. I know there's deer here. Like, I'm I'm in the public land. And at this time, I'm still competing with muzzleloader hunters who've been out for a week at this point. So there's people gun hunting. There's been shots fired. You know, people are accessing. I got, I had a squirrel hunter run up on me and not literally running, but came, he came into my set, you know, and he shot a squirrel and I mean, he's just walking around like he doesn't care. And you know, it's whatever, teach their own. It's, it's public land and he had every right to be there, but that was kind of just icing on the cake. And then I come home and I'm just like, man, this is stupid. Like I've, I'm trying so hard. I'm hunting so much. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm sitting here, I eat lunch and I, I go back and I pull the stand out of public land and I pack it all up and I'm like looking at the map and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to just go try someplace else. And I just go do a hang and bang and I get in there late. Um, I'm walking in at like three thirty, quarter to four. I walk a mile into the public land and I just, I was like, well, there's a cornfield there and there's CRP and bedding and it pinches off on the riverbank. I'll just find a trail that comes off the corn headed to the river. Like maybe something will get up early, go to water, go out to the corn to eat. Or maybe I'll get lucky and something will cross the river coming to the corn closer to dark. And by the time I got set up and had an arrow knocked and took a breath, it was a little after four thirty, And I'm like, this is stupid. Like I'm already talking myself out of hunting and I'm just like, this is a hail Mary, you know, like I feel like I'm wasting my time and, 550 you know 15 20 minutes before dark i just look up and i just see rack coming straight at me he's on the inside edge of the corn like walking through the crp and he's walking straight at me and like it was one of those deer where it's like i don't need to think about his age i don't need to count points i just saw his frame and i was like that's the one that's that's that'll work and he comes in he's he turns broadside at 45 yards and he's walking up the road that I walked in on and then he turns 90 degrees and kept coming right straight to me even closer he got to 22 yards and he stopped and he's licking a branch and he's kind of like he's not making a scrape he's just kind of got his head up in the air and he's like I think he was headed to the river to drink and just like you I mean I, I forced a shot and I didn't force it I, I, I rushed it I didn't take my time I I was so bent and so set on making sure I shot a deer. It was like, yep, there he is, pulled up. And I, like you, I don't even, I can't even recall exactly where I held the pin. Like, it's just that moment of truth situation. And I let it go and it stuck in his shoulder. He wheels off and runs back to where he came from. The arrow comes out and I'm just like, fuck, I got to go see what that arrow looks like. Like, I don't like that it came out. If it did, I hope it's broke off, but it was literally in the grass with the knock sticking straight up in the air. And I was like, there's some extra weight on the front of that arrow. Otherwise it would have landed flat. And of course I grab it, I pull it out and the broadhead's on it. And I measure it. There's seven inches of penetration. 
And I'm like, okay, well, that's that's probably enough. And I know I got in that shoulder. Like, I heard it hit bone. It was a loud crack. Definitely not a double lung, you know, soft tissue shot. So I just grab my arrow and I get out of there. You know, there's there's 15 minutes of light left and I just walk back to the truck. And I'm, I'm back at the house and I'm, I, I'm downloading Shot Simulator and I'm watching all the videos about shoulder hits and looking at looking at the uh, anatomy of the deer, like what veins are in there, you know, is seven inches enough? And I mean, I went to bed thinking I was going to walk in there and find this buck yesterday and I, I covered five and a half miles and I, I never found anything. I didn't find any blood. I didn't find hair like coyotes had got him. I found nothing. I just blew up that area and I, mean, I found a hell of a lot of great buck sign. I'm definitely going to hunt that spot again at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but here's the, it's just one of those things like you're more mad at yourself. Like I know I can shoot that. I can shoot 50, 60, 70 yards. Like I was dialed for my elk hunt out to 80 and I'm, I'm not going to shoot at a whitetail at 80 yards, but a 22 yard shot on a whitetail I had the wind in my favor. He was calm. He wasn't alert. I just, I rushed everything. And I hate the fact that I wounded the animal because of my poor judgment. Yeah. That's tough too. And I mean, it's, I know it it, sucks, it's been it? tearing you up for sure. Yeah, it has. And it's, you know, the only thing I haven't done I walked for about an hour to that CRP field and I only covered a matter of like a 20 yard stretch. And this thing is probably 20 acres in size, all CRP grass. And it's like, you can only walk, like you, you walk a line, you go five feet and turn around and walk another line and you just zigzag back and forth, like grid searching this thing five feet at a time. And I was like, I can't do this alone. Like I need help to cover this much ground. And like, I'm not finding blood. I'm just blowing this whole area up. And I was just like, I was so pissed at myself. I just got out of there after, after four hours of looking and five and a half miles of walking. And I, my conclusion is that he was quartering towards me. I know that, which mistake number one, obviously it's not a shot you take. And I mean, I criticize me all you want, but I mean, I, I know I screwed it up and that's not something I will ever do again. And it was, it was the first mature buck I'd seen in a week and a half of hunting every single day. And it's, he it was probably 140, you know, not a giant, but a nice, healthy, mature public land deer. And here's the, here's the, he was a seven point, probably 140, 145 inch seven point, just a big old frame giant. on him, long G2s. <laughs> probably five inch brow tines, like an amazing animal by anyone's standards. And I, I think what I did is I, I didn't actually get through that front side shoulder. That was my, you know, my intended point of impact. I think I caught a little bit of the brisket and it went in and hit the outside shoulder, you know, the offside shoulder. And that was the bone that I heard. That's why it came out. Um, there was some, some meat and some fat stuck in the fur of the broadhead. That explains the seven inches of penetration and lack of blood. I mean, there's if you don't hit an artery, the jugular's down there, but if you don't hit that, then it's essentially a flesh wound. 
Yeah. And you can't use dogs to recover deer there, right? Yeah, you can this year for the first time ever. Oh, you can. It was, yep, they they legalized it uh, back in the winter. And I gotcha. I thought about, I thought about, you know, utilizing that option and I just didn't see anything in there that made me think it was something I should do. Like I, I didn't even find any blood. Like I said, had I found blood or something that was sparse, you know, trackable, then yes, I would have, I would have done that for sure. But I, I didn't find anything. I got you. That's tough, man. And I don't know. It's, it's never easy to, to go through something like that. You know what I mean? Like, but you know what no, you did not. wrong it's, too, you know? Yeah. And that, that's just it. It's, it's a hundred percent on me. It's not like, you know, my bow malfunctioned or I used the wrong pin or, you know, it's, it was hundred percent forced, you know, rushed the situation. And if I would have just waited probably another 30 seconds, you know, he was coming to the water. I was in a 30 yard wide hedgerow between, between that road and the river it was the only deer out there. There was no does to worry about or no wind, you know, nobody else watching me. Like I had everything in my favor and I just, I screwed the pooch. Yeah. Which I guess, so you're getting ready to leave here. What's, uh, you're going to be gone for a little bit, but when, when will you be, be, be back to be able to hunt, uh, in Iowa again? I'll be back in Iowa at noon on, the 13th of November. Okay. So, and you've got cell cams and everything out there too, just to monitor, see if he even comes back or, you know, any other bucks as well, right? Nope. I don't, I don't have anything out where I was hunting. Um, oh, okay. Nope. That was a total shot in the dark. Just look at the sign and, you know, take your best shot. And, um, I thought about putting a cell cam out there just to see if I can get a picture of him again, but um, I don't know with November coming on strong, like it is. And I know that it'll get pounded out there. I just don't want to risk, risk losing the camera, but I am going to hunt him again or hunt out in that area and see if I can't at least put some eyes on him. Um, I am very confident that he's not dead. Yeah. I feel like that hit, if it's like, you know, the way you described it to me and everything is, either he's dead or he's not going to die. Um, you know, from, I think if he was dead, I would have found him. And I, I mean, I sent you a screenshot of the track I did looking for him and it's five and a half miles. I walked in a matter of an area that's probably, you know, a hundred yards wide and 800 yards long. And it's, I looked under every bush and every blowdown and I, I walked every trail. I looked for blood in every bed I found, and there was no sign of any wounded animal in there whatsoever. Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That That's, you know, like I said, that's never easy losing a deer like that, and especially when, you know, your time's limited and you're on public yeah. land and you're right in your backyard, basically. You know, that's that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it does, and it's – you just know you're better than that. Like, you practice, you know, you overanalyze every single thing about your setup, your arrow weight, front of center, you know, 
your broadhead, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's just, you, you can't account for human error. And that's exactly what took over was just poor judgment in my case. And there's nobody to blame but me. There's nothing yeah, I, to blame but me. I think you and I just need to do better. We just need to tell each other to just, you need to do better. Really? Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know? that's really what it is. It's, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I came back and shot my bow and I mean, I was, I was perfect. I mean, I took that 22 yard, I went outside and I actually, I moved my, my deer target to the exact angle he was at. And I shot at 22 yards at the exact distance he was at. And I'm like, why didn't you just do that? Why didn't you just aim eight inches further to the left? Or why didn't you just wait? You know, it's like nothing was wrong with the bow. It was a hundred percent me. Yeah. I did the same thing though, too, with my bow after I hit that limb or my, my limb, you know, and the cam hit the limb, I brought it back home and put it in the draw board and, and made sure everything was in time and checked out the string, put it in the, in the press and made sure everything was good. Went out there. I shot at 46 yards again, make sure my pins are on, make sure I checked everything and everything was dialed. We're good to go. Um, never had to, it didn't hurt the bow at all. Didn't crack a limb. Didn't do nothing like that. So I'm good there. But it's just, yeah, I don't know, just left it. You know, I think I was telling you a little bit too. I was pissed off. You know, you never want to like wound or even miss a deer. Like you, you work so hard and do things in the off season to for this opportunity. But I also look at the fact that like I've been hunting my ass off, and I finally like I, you know, it's. I got in the opportunity. I did everything right, you know. I I didn't go yeah. in the one acre when I saw his doe, and I didn't push the deer out of there. And I went to another spot, and it's in a transition spot. It's right. I mean, it's a field edge, but it's you know, it's a wooded fence row that I felt like at this time, you know, that doe. She, this is the only way she can get to the neighbor's timber is going by me, and that's what happened. So I made that call, did that, like I did everything right, except the shot. So, uh, I, I, you know, I just think I'm not going to speak for you, but for me in general, I just need to slow down. You need to slow the moment down when you get into that, you know, and and just, you've been there before. I mean, I'm not saying you, we both have, but I'm just saying, tell yourself you've been there before. Like you can do this kind of thing. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly right. It's, I mean, like I said, human error. It's just a matter of just stop for a second, take a breath, and like make sure it's the right, the right time to pull the trigger. And it's, I, I was just so focused on making sure I had a chance at shooting a deer before I left, and it was like twenty-two yards, only deer in sight. Like this is a chip shot, game over. Like I was, I was celebrating in my mind before I even drew the bow back, you know. And it was, it bit me in the ass. Yep. No, I agree. Well, I want to transition a little bit out of the the sourness that of both of our <laughs> both of our tears, but I want to get into it yeah. this the to end this here a little bit, but I want to talk about, you know, what's going on with the deer right now here in my area and what I'm talking to other guys around Michigan and what's going on in your area. Um just to kind of sum up the last, I guess you could say from the 20th, I'd say 8 to 10 days here in Michigan, I've seen all my shooters in daylight multiple times. Just nothing has closed the distance. Now, where we're at right now, where I think Michigan's at, 
is I think the more mature deer are locked down on does. I had um, a real good eight shooter eight that I've been watching. I watched him lock down. He was in our bean field with a doe for over 30 hours and they didn't move out of 80 out of an 80 foot by 80 foot area and I sat in the stand all day except for two hours and I watched him get up and breed her three times um and he's not the only one there's another shooter that I have I watched him uh for 24 hours locked down with a doe and then the deer that I missed Tynes Ward he was locked down last night with a doe in the bean field. So I feel like the bigger, more mature deer in the area right now, in my area especially, are locked down. And if they're not, they're looking for that next doe. So I think that's where we're at in Michigan right now. Um, scrapes are hot as well right now. Of course they are. But my cell cams, daylight movement for bucks all of all sizes right now are going nuts. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's where we're at right here with Michigan. What about you? Yeah, I, I think we're a little bit behind that. Um, I think just given the latitude, you know, I'm a little bit further south of you, so I I would – it's not surprising to me to not see that, that chasing activity yet, even on these, these hot – these first hot does. But um, I think right now for us it's more – there's more productivity in calling, you know, rattling. Um, anyone who's decoying right now, like, throughout – you know, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, maybe Kansas, you know, Missouri. I think something like that would be really, really useful to be doing, especially if you have a decoy. Um, I do not, but I think it's that time, that pre-rut time where you can be pretty aggressive and get the deer to respond that, you, you know, the deer you're looking for to respond. Um, I'm sure there are probably some, some of the more mature deer that have found that, that first hot doe, but the rest of them are still kind of battling it out, you know, waiting for the chance. So that, that's kind of my strategy, and based on what I've seen, um, I haven't seen anything more than a, a three-year-old on the hoof yet. Um, I think I think the deer I shot was probably a four-year-old. But just the, the young bucks are still acting too stupid, you know, kind of crazy. Um I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of rambling here. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's no, you're, you're, you, I totally get what you're saying. Like it's, it's a lot of the same thing that's going on here too. And, and, and also when I'm talking about my deer, I want to preface this as well. Like I'm talking about three-year-olds. Those, those are my, yeah. my top tier deer right now, you know? So it might be a little different somewhere else where you might be targeting, targeting four and five-year-olds, but I, I think it's all relative where you're at as well. I mean, a lot of guys yeah, that I'm talking sure. to right now also like buddies and everything, you know, bucks are starting to chase a little bit, but basically the general consensus is the bigger deer in their area are locked down. Um, they're seeing them with does and not letting them go anywhere. You know, they're, they're waiting until yeah. that doe is, is primed and ready and you know, they're taking advantage of that. So I guess it's just trying to figure out, you know, catching that deer <laughs> catching that deer yeah. in between does really um and yep, you that, talk about exactly calling what it is yeah and you talk about calling um one of my buddies just texted me the other day he shot a big i think it was a big eight point um here in michigan and he saw that deer cruising in the distance and just gave him three soft grunts came right to the base of his tree so 
Um, I haven't had any luck with calls yet. I really haven't had a deer to 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 really see that I need felt like I needed to call. Um, so I haven't really tried too much. I did take a decoy out one morning. Didn't see a lot of deer that for some reason that morning was just the deer weren't moving, um, in my area, but, uh, don't be afraid to, I, I use a decoy whenever I'm here and I can use a decoy. It works really well for me here in Michigan. I use it as a buck. I take one side of the antlers off. I don't lay both ears back cause I don't want them to feel really aggressive but I usually do lay one back and then one kind of cock forward. And I've killed two good bucks in Michigan over a decoy. So that does work as well. Yeah. I, I love decoy and it's, I just don't own one, unfortunately. And honestly, where I've been hunting, I've, I wouldn't want to carry one in there, but beside the fact it's decoy is great. I think obviously as like a visual aid to, to getting deer into your wheelhouse, but when it comes to calling, like something to keep in mind is a lot of that calling, especially rattling more than grunting, is going to, you're, you're going to see different levels of success based on the deer density in your area, like the population of deer. Like I wouldn't go out to hunt, you know, a farm in New York and rattle and expect to see much of a reaction. Like there's, there's not enough competition amongst bucks up there because where I grew up hunting, there's just not the age structure of deer like there are in Iowa per se or Kansas, you know, and it's, there's not as many of them. Like you need to have the right factors in your favor, or at least know what factors you're working with to determine what the best kind of call is to use at this time yep. of the year. It's not rut where you can just tip your can over and, you know, something's going to come running. Um, I mean, that, that's that's my experience with it anyway. It has a lot to do with density. That's why you yeah. see it works so well in Texas. Yep, I agree 100%. Um, I do take rattling antlers sometimes, not every time here in Michigan. Um, but when I'm rattling, it is only a visual, visual when I see a buck and I might be like just tickling the antlers, like a little sparring session, nothing aggressive at all. Um, I haven't yeah. had great luck with it, but I know guys have had – a lot of luck with it. I've had really good luck with a grunt and a bleat here, um, whether that be blind yep. calling or seeing a deer and calling them. And I've had unbelievable luck. So, um, I yep, guess I'm, that's, I'm the opposite though. It's sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were. No, done. no, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm on the opposite side of the coin. When I rattle, I, I make as much noise as I can all out brawl. Like when I put those antlers down, like I'm out of breath. Um, <laughs> And honestly, that's 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 what I've seen generate the best reaction. That's when those bucks come charging in, ready to kick ass. You know, they're not going to just like pussyfoot around and be like, "Oh, what, what's going on over there?" You know, and it's. But again, you'll, you'll see different responses to that based on yeah. where you're at in the rut. I think. Well, and to the to like your that, point also that you just made about knowing your deer density. That's why I do that in Michigan. But when I, I mean, when I go to right. Iowa or Kansas or Illinois or something like that, I mean, I'll hit the antler so hard that it'll break my fingers, you know? So yeah. it's just kind of, I call it reading the room, read the room and figure out like from there, like, <laughs> you know, what to do. Yep, so exactly. Yep. Well, cool, man. Let's, let's jump off here. Uh, we've been rambling. Sorry guys for being such a, uh, a sour podcast. Maybe <laughs> we, <laughs> a, a lot of people have been writing in and asking, you know, 
what have we been up to? Because we don't really throw a lot of updates on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. I I don't know why. I, I I'm just not. I'd rather talk about it on a podcast and then update everybody. But everybody's been kind of wondering. So this is kind of our update and kind of get everything out there. I guess if there's one thing to learn from this, don't do what Justin and I did and rush <laughs> shit. Let it come to yeah. you and and breathe and and make <laughs> make a successful yeah, it's shot. Easier so. said than done. <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely. That's but uh thank yeah, you guys for listening and and thank you for uh subscribing and downloading everything. We really appreciate it. There's a ton of content out there on our page. I mean, this is episode 135, so there's a ton. Go look at it all. Um yeah, I guess that's all I got to say. You got anything to add? Um no, I guess not. Just I guess I'll say the same thing. Thanks to everybody who downloads and and subscribes and listens. It's you know, we've said it in the past couple podcasts, but this thing keeps growing and growing more and more every week. So uh, yeah. hopefully this one doesn't kill kill us, but uh, I think there's some good information in there. <laughs> I just want to say that I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, you know, shit happens or it happens to everybody. I mean, it does, but when it happens to you, it's, I mean, I, I put the blame on my shoulders hundred percent. It's, it's not something you shake off easily, but. It's one of those things where you make damn sure it doesn't happen again. <laughs> For sure. Learn from it and do better. That's what we're going to name yeah, this one. Do Just better. do better. Just do better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, you have a good trip coming up. Uh, I'll keep in touch with you. And thank you, everybody. Um, and don't forget, next week we'll be right here on the Fall Podcast. Thanks, guys. anglers search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv in wild country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern presented by primos speak the language waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment